Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2017, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and our second show of the day. And Wendy, we're off to a great start this week because uh, so far the last few podcasts have all been really crystal clear, just the way we want them to be. Awesome. I'm so excited. So how's it going? Is your Monday off to a good start? Are you uh, experiencing wins today? My Monday is off to a good start. I expected all sorts of chaos, not because I look for chaos, but Mondays are usually really hectic for me. Um, And today I just feel like I'm just kind of flowing through each thing I have to do. But the nice thing is how I feel inside. That's nice. how I feel inside is that, there's time. Ooh. Like there's enough time to do everything that needs to be done. Very nice. I don't feel like this hurry up sense or, you know, oh my gosh, there's not enough time. It, it's a wonderful, it doesn't happen often for me, but when it does, it feels so great, which is I have time to do what I need to do. And it's like it allows me to just kind of be in a peaceful state, which I really love. Well, we'll celebrate that because that means the more we celebrate it, the more you'll get. Absolutely. Yeah, I could have more of this. <laughs> Every day I could have more of this. <laughs> that's Well, that's why I'm looking at it, because uh, things are settling down here at this end, and, and problems are ironing out, and stress levels are reducing, and, and I'm liking that. I want the stress levels to keep going down. I want to feel better and better. <laughs> so this is good you know, stuff. After our show, after our show, I think on Wednesday or Thursday, where we had talked about some issues that were going on for me, and you just had some really great insight for me. Hmm. Um, I, I could tell throughout the show I was letting go of resistance. Ah. Um, and after the show was over, I had a call with um, a coworker, and she said, how are you doing? And I said, amazingly, I'm in a state of bliss. Ooh. And she went, really? I said, I am. So I was like, I was really basking in it because <laughs> our it was probably about 20 minutes between the end of the show and when I talked to her. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm just basking in this feeling of well-being. And I said, the thing I'm attributing to it is, I said, I talked about something on our radio podcast today where I knew I was letting go of some resistances. And I said, I think this is what's left over when you let go. Nice. <laughs> it feels great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear that the podcast is helping you, too. That's great. (laughs) Absolutely. That's the way we want to be. Because, you know, what I know is when you and I are talking, we're stirring up the energy in our worlds individually as well as together, as well as, you know, um, across the board, anybody who is listening today and in the future. We're all energetically connected. This is true. And it's a good kind of energy too. That's the best part. It's not the negative energy that so much is out there. This is this is the positive, the feel good energy, the kind we need more of. It is. It's our. It's our, very feel good energy. Yeah. It's our daily dose of happy. That's our tagline. <laughs> That's it. That's I, it right I there. We stick to it because I like it. it works. It's going to get I even better. I love being a part of a daily dose of happy. Mm, me too. And it's going to get better and better every single day. In fact, uh, we're going, we got some interesting stuff planned that. We're not going to tell you all about just yet, but it's going to be a fun time the next few months. Anyway. I totally agree. Um, you did it once again. You came up with another great topic. So I'm going to let you introduce the topic today. Okay. Well, the, the how this came about was um, I had somebody find me on my website, 
and last night they sent me an email, um, and I just thought the email was really good in terms of kind of a broad question that I think a lot of people have on their mind. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of ways I thought we could play with it in terms of law of attraction. Um, and I would say her, the big, even though she has a number of paragraphs here, the, the biggest um, issue is how do you find a love relationship? Ah. Um, I know you have told some wonderful stories about you finding Louise. Right. Um, I have some great stories about how, how I connected with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. But I'm now in the space of wanting to find a new love relationship. So here's what, here's what she had to say. Okay. She said, I have had positive experiences with the law of attraction and manifesting things. But when it comes to a primary love relationship, I don't know what to change in order to generate better results. I try to focus on positive qualities of a potential wife. I guess she's into same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. I do give effort to get to know somebody, but I don't understand why I can't find a wife. I feel like if I gave up and let it go, she'd never find me either because I live in such a small area. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to go to where there's a possibility of meeting someone since those I do meet at bars usually don't want marriage and commitment. And the women I do meet are not wanting commitment or they don't have the basics such as even having enough money for dating. I don't know what to do. And... The other thought is if I don't go out and stay at, or if I don't go out at all and I just stay at home, how would somebody find me? I believe I deserve love and a wife since I'm so devoted and loving. But I don't see how others find it. I de- my, my desire is a wife. And yet there's billions of people in the world, so why can't I just find one woman for a mutual connection? What do I do? Okay. Well, first of all, I think I have to pat her on the back. We have to pat her on the back for recognizing that the law of attraction is the way to go and that uh, she needs to make a change even if even if she doesn't know what it is. So congratulations on figuring that part out. That's that's further ahead than many, many people. So you deserve credit for that. I would totally agree. And the fact that she was able to even put it into question form and say, here's where I am, here's where I want to go, um, and how do I bridge the gap? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Cause that is. You're right. A lot of people don't even know how to articulate that, but she did a beautiful job she in it. She did, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I thought there's lots of different pieces and parts here. Um, do you want to take the first swing? See, where do we want to? Where do we want to jump in? Do you have a st- jumping in place, or do you want me to? Well, well, I've got a few, but you know, feel free to go first if you'd like. Okay. Actually, no. Let's go with yours first. Okay. That well, feels lighter. One of the first things that I heard in there was that she lives in a, a remote area where there aren't a lot of opportunities. And the law of attraction over time will eventually bring even to a rural area the right person. But you could also speed things up a little bit by reaching out and making it a larger region in, in one way or another. And there are a number of ways to do that. Um, she doesn't specify where she is. I'm guessing that Wherever she is, somewhere within a couple hundred miles at the most, there's probably a major city. It might be a good idea to try to figure out some way to get involved in something in the major city, something that she likes, just so that she can be closer to where the population is. Um, doesn't mean that she can't attract anybody where she is right now, but it could take a while because mm-hmm. it's a rural area. I mean, that's part of living in a rural area. I've done that. I know what that's like. 
Um, the other possibility, too, is we are all Internet connected these days. And there's really no reason why you can't take advantage of that. There are plenty of, you know, dating sites and so forth where you can reach out and contact people and be contacted by people. I don't know if she's tried to do that, but it it strikes me that it, it's not like it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where there was a lot of stigma uh-huh. attached to it. The stigma is pretty much gone. It, I mean, the, the usual rules apply about being careful and selective and so forth, but, but the stigma is gone, so I'd say... Have you been trying the online options? Because there are a lot of them. Well, I like that you suggested um, kind of going into a bigger city and just kind of trying something different. But my perspective on that is from the perspective of get out there and do it. Not necessarily because this is where you're going to meet someone, but it puts you in an environment where you can practice your own skills. Right. You know, and even practice, because, like, part of her her questions was, you know, she's meeting some people, but they don't have the basics such as, you know, well, two things she said. One, they don't have the money to date, and two, they're not marriage-minded. They're not willing to do commitment. So one of the things I know is when, if you want to know, like, how's your vibration going, you find out what you attract. And so even if you go to a place that you maybe really don't desire to date somebody who is far away, if you at least go to some places and start seeing what you're attracting right now, it gives you kind of a a mile marker. It gives you a, a, a place of here's where I am. Yep, I talked to three different people, and each one of them was totally in no way Jose. Sure. (laughs) You know? Versus maybe you do it again after a week or two of thinking through, hmm, I wonder what caused me to make those connections and what in me is connecting that way or what in me is out there matching these other people. What maybe am I missing? And maybe you go another time and you start meeting people who are more on the yes category. Mm -hmm. They still may be distant, and maybe that all of a sudden becomes a non-issue. Who knows? It's always possible, yep. Um, yeah. I know in my own case, before I met Louise, for about a 10-year period, I was involved in swing dancing. And I mm. got into swing dancing primarily because when I was in my 20s, I, I, I started doing the swing dancing when I was in my late 20s, so like 28, something like that, 29. And throughout my early years in my 20s, I was extremely shy. You may not believe that, Wendy, but I really was. <laughs> and did not do a good job. I was very poor at, at reaching out to, to meet people and so forth. If if I was at a party, I was one of the wallflowers. I was the one who you know the one who stood over on the side and didn't say anything and, and didn't approach anybody. And, you know, and and to this day, I don't do well in crowds. I, I am very introverted. I can do well in podcasts, but crowds I have trouble with. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know, it sounds weird, doesn't it? But it's really true. I, when I found out I could do podcasts, I was pleasantly surprised, actually. <laughs> hmm. But, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I decided I was going to try the swing dancing in part because I remembered when I was uh, in school, it was not the kind of thing that we had in school. This was like, you know, the late 60s, early 70s when I was in junior high school and then mid-70s for high school. And that was not an era where you did any kind of partner dancing. And I, I always felt like our generation kind of got the short end of the stick on that. Because I always thought the partner dancing was really cool to look at. And swing dancing, I mean, that was just like wild. Like, how the heck did they do that thing? 
And it just looked like it was so much fun, you know? And little did I know it was actually a lot easier than I thought. But the point was I had a strong interest there. And that strong interest was actually enough to make me overcome my fear of meeting new people. Just enough so that I could go take some classes. And took some classes and I actually found within, well, it took me a while. It took me about six months before I really started to feel comfortable on the dance floor. Um, much of that time, much of that discomfort was just trying to find the courage to go talk to some woman somewhere and just say, would you like to dance? And that was the end of the conversation. But that even, even that much was, was a hard thing to do. Um, but I kept taking classes and I found that taking the classes helped because as I got better at it, I became a desirable dance partner. So it was a lot easier. You know, I could just kind of hint at, oh yeah, let's go. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I didn't have to hardly ask. Because <laughs> they all had seen me in the classes and so forth, you know. I, and over time, I actually became a very good dance partner, a very good leader, um, to the point where I was a very popular partner to dance with. That helped me a ton. Now, I can't say that I met my wife through the dance group. I, actually, the number of dance groups that I was involved in. Um, but there was a connection that did lead to me meeting my wife. Because what happened was, I, after doing this for 10 years, you, you get quite a circle of friends. And um, usually, uh, people you partner with rather than other leaders, if you're a leader, um, you, that's who you tend to get to know. I mean, you also tend to get to know the other leaders, too. But you don't dance with them, so it's not really quite the same thing. Anyway, I had a large circle of friends. And most of the other, most of the women in that group also had large circles of friends. Well, Louise, around uh, the, the time that I'd been there for 10 years, was, that was when she decided she was going to find a husband. If you remember, I told you that part of the story. And mm -hmm. she ended yeah. up, she ended up talking to a coworker of hers, um, a friend named Deborah, who also happened to be in the same swing dance group as me. That was the connection. That's how I ended up meeting my wife. So I didn't actually meet her through the, the dance group. But I met her through a friend that I made at the dance group. So you never really know and how yet, it's going to happen. Well, it, but still, law of attraction, use the connections that were already in place. Connections that would not have to, been there if I hadn't been participating in the dance group. Yeah. So, I mean, law of attraction was able to find Louise for you, even though you hadn't met her directly on your own. Now, a really key part um, of this, a really important part is, I did not go into the dance group well, at first, I went into the dance group hoping I would meet somebody. After about five or six months, I realized that was not the right attitude to take because then you st it starts to come through in your body language. It starts to come through in the way you talk and so forth, and it just gets in the way because you're really there just to have the fun of dancing. And once I learned that, then I didn't go for meeting a partner. I went for, for the fun of, of the dance, for the fun of, of doing the dancing and getting the exercise and making all the friends and so forth. So that when Which, the time came that uh, Louise was introduced to me through Deborah, I was ready for it because I was not in a frame of mind that says, oh, I got to find a partner. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. really, you were working with Law of Attraction instead of working against exactly. it. Exactly. You weren't putting any res uh, resistance in the pathway. That's right. Because you weren't looking at your swing dancing as the vehicle that you must find a mate exactly, or a love yes. relationship. Right. Um, you were there to um, have fun. Yes. You were there to enjoy yourself and enjoy what swing dancing had to offer you specifically. And it was a blast. Um, it was really fun. Which that in itself is enough cause to like set yourself up to be in the receptive mode. Right. 
for all the wonderful things that you desire to flow through to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say before my my first marriage, and I say first marriage because I'm expecting a second one. Ah. Um, <laughs> so before my first marriage, I was kind of in a similar situation as this woman who has this question where now I, I didn't really live in a small town, but I wasn't really a big socialite. I didn't go out to bars. I didn't club. I didn't really like to dance. Um, I don't drink alcohol. I don't like to be around cigarettes. I know this sounds like what I don't, I don't, I don't. But it really put me in the position of going, well, where do you find somebody? Mm. Um, Because I was in theater because I was a costume designer. And so my silly joke at the time was the only available men or the only men that I meet are either married, gay, or under 19. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, one of the things I did learn was the fact that that, I would say that over and over to my friends, mm. you know, like, hey, I'm not meeting anyone, and the ones I do meet are either married, gay, or under 19. I started almost using that as a mantra because it caused people to laugh. Yeah. And little did I know, I started to put more focus on that because I thought having them laugh was good. Mm-hmm. But it was also keeping anybody who was single, heterosexual, and over 19 out of my space. Yeah, that's not the obvious part, but you're right. No, I had made it loud and clear because I kept focusing on Mary, gay, and under 19, and the law of the universe went, okay, we'll give her more of Mary, you know, um, (laughs) gay and under 19. (laughs) Just what I wanted. Oh, boy. Once I figured that out, trust me, I stopped saying that phrase. I mean, you know, and even now I'm saying it just to to truly joke, but that is not part of my belief system anymore. No, of course not. Because I realized that, I did believe that the ones that I was looking for weren't available. Mm. And yes. if I could say the biggest thing to this, this gal who who wrote this email to me, it's she's really focusing on what's not working. Right. She's focusing on she lives in a small town. See, that's, you can't find anyone in a small town. She, you know, she's focusing on they're not marriage and, and commitment, you know, minded. Okay. There's something she's focusing on so she gets more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's focusing on they don't have the basics, such as even having enough money to go out on a date. Okay, there's more of what she's focusing on. So I would say in her case, she's really focusing on what she doesn't want and probably is unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Because I really felt her felt into her heart, and it's like she has such a strong desire to be in a loving relationship. Sure. And, you know, she... I didn't read, believe it or not, everything she wrote to me, but there was a lot in there about how she really focuses on love and kindness and faith and goodness in a relationship. And so I believe that her heart is in the right place. But what she's not aware of is that she's focusing so much on what's not working Mm. that she keeps getting more of what's not working. Which touches very nicely on why I took 10 years to find somebody. I, was, I, I got involved in that group, and I was in it for 10 years, and I didn't meet anybody there that I could have a, a good relationship with. I actually met a number of women who I liked and who were attracted me to, to me, too. When I told people that I was engaged to Louise, I got some really cold shoulders from some women who I realized really had an interest in me that I didn't even know about. But um, the point is, 
during that time, as much as I was having fun in the dance circle, I was doing very much the same thing that she was doing. I was finding what was wrong with every single situation that the, all the good ones were taken. You know, the, the the ones who were available were either damaged or you know whatever else. I had a whole litany of things that oh this was wrong or that was wrong or that was wrong, and I had no idea that I was setting myself up by doing that. But sure enough, I just kept getting more and more and more like that. I, th- I thought, this is really wild. Is the entire world made up of this kind of person? <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I want to touch on this other point where she, you know, says, but if I stay home, how can I meet someone? Um, and that's kind of where I was feeling because, like I said, I didn't go to clubs, bars, and all the places that heterosexual men my age would frequent. Um, I'm also not into sports. So, you know, I don't go to football games or baseball games or all these different things. I was in theater, my goodness. I was Mm. around theater people pretty much 24-7. Sure. Um, And so, you know, some of my friends were giving me the advice, well, Wendy, you're going to just have to make yourself go to these places that you don't want to go. Yeah. And i got to tell you, in my gut, that didn't feel right. No, no. I'm like, I know they love me, and they're trying to give me good advice, It just didn't feel like the right thing for me to do. And so I really spent some time just really pondering, what's up? What Mm -hmm. do I do? And the thought that came to me was the needle in a haystack metaphor. And that may sound crazy, but I didn't need hundreds and hundreds of men to meet to sort through. Because I did trust at the time, you know, that there was a power greater than me that could match me up with the one that was a good match for me. I didn't even know the law of attraction at the time, but I did believe that there was a power greater than me that somehow would be there on my behalf and and help me get the things I wanted. And I would say I don't need hundreds, just one. I'm not a polygamist. I only (laughs) want to marry one. (laughs) I only need one. And I don't even need to date a bunch of them to to call it down to the one. I can just meet the one, mm-hmm. and I'll know if, if if the one is the one. Sure. Um. And so, I met I met my ex husband online when it was not very fashionable to mm-hmm. do online dating because mm-hmm. we met back in it was the end of 1999 because our first date was on New Year's Eve of 1999. Which, if you recall, that was the Y2K. Mm, right. Big oh, I, thing. I recall it very when, well. When I used to do the, that. <laughs> yeah, when the whole world thought that technology was going to fall apart and, you know, we'd have the big pulse and we'd lose, <laughs> lose the energy grid and all this stuff. You know who the only people um, were who, who didn't think that was going to happen? The people who were repairing the computers, like me, because we knew it wasn't going to happen. But we just kind of laughed yeah, at all the hysteria. <laughs> Sorry, and my that's, ex-husband, that's a he actually had to go into work the next morning because he was on Y2K duty. Oh, you, and he I was too, huh? Calling me. Yeah, he was in IT. Yeah. Um, and he called me the next morning after our first date, and he said, the place is dead. Yeah. There are no Y2K issues. I am sitting here. I am bored. Can we talk? And I'm like, sure. See, see, I had a better boss than that because I knew that everything was patched up. I knew that everything was going to work. So I didn't even bother to come. I mean, I wasn't even on call. That's how confident I was wow. that everything was going to work fine. And it did. And I, I remember that, that, that January 1st, 2000, I remember the news reports coming out later on that, that New Year's Day. Nothing has crashed. And I'm laughing. I'm just chuckling over the corner. <laughs> You're like, 
like, yeah, I know. So Surprise! Anyways, you know, my point in that is to say I did online dating when online dating wasn't even fashionable. And, you know, we connected very quickly. I knew there was something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when he and I, we, I think we'd only been dating three weeks, and we already kind of knew we were heading towards marriage. Ah. And I told this to a dear friend of mine. And she's like, oh, Wendy, I am so concerned for you. I mean, that's just too fast. <laughs> and I just said, Bonnie, and I just said, Bonnie, okay, so Bonnie, if you're hearing, hopefully you'll remember this story. <laughs> yeah. Bonnie, do you, do you remember how many first dates I've been on? She goes, well, I don't know that I can count them, but you've been on a lot. <laughs> and I said, how many of them went to second dates? She went, um, can't think of any. And I said, maybe one or two, but not many. I said, because I really know when I make a connection, either I feel a connection or I don't. And I said, with this guy, I'm really feeling a connection. So I want to just kind of put that out there. This is not just like, wow, Wendy just had a wonderful story and isn't it great that that happened for her. But how it really melded with the entire law of attraction law, Mm -hmm. which is I had shifted my predominant thinking from, oh, I only meet the ones who are married, gay, or under 19, and I completely turned it around to, I only need one, and I'll know him when I know him. (laughs) Like, when we meet, I'll know him. I only need one. I'm only looking for one. And as I was thinking that way, it wasn't from a, oh, God, can I find the one? There was a hopefulness in me, like, I only need one. To me, that seemed easy. It's easier to find one than it is a hundred. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where my friends were suggesting I go out and find hundreds of men to possibly consider and date and hang out with. And I'm like, I don't want to play the game of hundreds. I just want one. That seemed really easy. So this gal who wrote to me, she said, there's a billion people in the world. And I'm like, I know, cause, and you only need one. Isn't that cool? Mm. You don't have to find tons. You only need one. Find one and you're a winner. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, law of attraction can actually, can absolutely bring the one that matches who you are to you. And as far as the idea of staying at home, okay, so if the Internet is not where it feels comfortable to go, and I mean a lot of people do that, and, you know, I certainly do that now as well. Um, But the thing that really gives me the greatest hope, Walt, for being single, wanting to fall in love again and have a wonderful relationship. I do work from home. I'm in my home quite often. I really don't get out and about that much, not like I used to. Mm. I'm not concerned that I'm not out there, and here's the reason why. If, I'll make this up, if the guy that is the, the right one for me to connect with just happens to be going to the grocery store that I go to, I will get an impulse to go to the grocery store at the time that he's there okay. and we'll connect. And as long as you believe that, or that's true. I'll get it, totally. Or I'll get an impulse to go to a restaurant and he'll be there in some way. And, like, I'll drop my purse and he'll say, oh, let me pick this up for you. I mean, it, there could be so many different ways that we could connect. Now, I can also attest. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the part that is the most meaningful to me or the hopefully what I'm um, wanting people to take away from this is if you're listening to your inner guidance, 
follow the guidance that comes to you. And even if you don't even know you're getting guidance, but you just do things on the fly, just trust that while you're doing these things on the fly or following an impulse to be guided somewhere, you will absolutely meet the right ones. Oh, yeah. It can't not happen. It cannot not happen. And the key to that piece there is your belief. You believed, for instance, that you can meet the guy at the grocery store. I can also attest that if you don't believe that, even if the guy is there, you won't meet him. And I can, that is true. And I can, I can give you direct evidence because that happened with Louise and I. We shopped at the same grocery store for three years. <laughs> we well, never saw each other. Here's the caveat I'm going to throw into that one. I believe there's also the possibility you weren't a match yet. That's also possible, yeah. There, there, there is reason to say that that's true. But the, the thing that makes it difficult to believe that we didn't at least meet is, I think I've told you, I'm six foot eight inches tall. I'm pretty tall. I'm about the tallest person in the room at any given time. You're kind of like a lighthouse in the yeah. middle of everywhere. You, you can't miss me. I mean, you may not know me, but you recognize the tall guy, you know, because <laughs> he's always in there, right? Right. She never saw the tall guy. So both of us were in a mindset that we can't meet the person in the grocery store. Otherwise, she wouldn't uh, have filtered me out. And you're right. If you have a belief that says you can't do something, right. then law of attraction will be certain that you won't do it that way. It won't happen. Yeah. But you know what? Our inner being is so wise. Our inner being and the law of attraction will be certain to go the path of least resistance. Like they know where all of our roadblocks are. Mm -hmm. They know where all of our resistances are. And so they'll make certain that they work around it. Like, okay, fine. If you believe you won't meet at the grocery store, you two could be literally standing in line next to each other <laughs> and not even be aware of one another. That's right. Fine. Well, we won't have you meet there, but you know what? Maybe you'll both get in your car and you'll go to Starbucks and you'll meet there. <laughs> <laughs> And neither one of you will no. say, didn't I just see you in the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could happen. But it's like, I love knowing that law of attraction works around all of our weird idiosyncrasies. And in spite of them, life still goes on and people do meet people. It's absolutely true. In fact, the, the thing that is really important to remember, and this is something that I noticed was was missing from from what you described in her letter. And, of course, you didn't read the whole letter, but just from what you're describing, this was missing. It's really important to know what you want. I mean, okay, if you need to start off saying what you don't want, fine. But what do you want? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? What, is he, what does she look like? What does what this, this woman that you want look like? What, is, what does she mm -hmm. act like? Uh, what, what, what behavior patterns does she have? Um, what interests does she have? What does she do with her life? What kind of, what does, what kind of work does she do for a living? Tell it, tell a story. What's this person like? Mm -hmm. Cause if you can't put that out there, you don't know who you're attracting. This is true. And if you're paying attention at all to how you feel while you're thinking about it, that in itself will give incredible guidance. Right. So, for example, if you make up the story like that you're talking about, which is awesome, and you say, you know, um, like, okay, I, 
Okay, I'm throwing out this question to myself. Do I really want to say the qualities I want in a man or do I not? Do I want to keep it to myself? I don't know. Um, so I'll play with a woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not attracted to women. Okay. Okay, so I want a woman who's about five, between 5'7 five, and 5'10 with long flowing blonde hair, um, with an incredible smile and sparkling eyes. Um, and I want her to be athletic, who loves to hike and wants to travel. Um, and has a job that's really flexible so we can take time off for spontaneous trips. Um, okay, we'll stop there. So let's say that's what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. And while I'm putting that story together, it feels really heavy and dense to me. Like, oh, my God, there's no way I'm going to meet someone who meets all the criteria I'm looking for. Right. That's just like, no, the, the universe it doesn't care enough about me or that's just like beyond. And, you know, beside my mother told me that's never going to happen and, you know, my friends are all laughing at me because I'm being so specific. Well, so here's my, my suggestion for somebody who feels that, ugh, when they're telling that really great story. Don't tell that specific story right now. Mm. That's too specific. So go more general. Mm-hmm. You know, something that, so going from the, the specific story that I just had, it could be, I want to meet a woman who when we're together, we're really we make each other laugh. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, you know, we have the time to spend doing all sorts of things that are adventurous. And if I can maybe come up with that story and that feels really good to me and there's no heaviness at all, maybe that's where I stop and I just stay focused on that story. You know, adventure, and we make each other laugh. In fact, you can even embellish it. And, you can take your adventure and well, your laughter, and you can you can make up a story about that. It doesn't have to be the final one; just something to to stay focused on for a longer period of time. Well, and I, I purposely would not suggest somebody go beyond that. Okay. Until they have that where that feels so good. Yes. And there's nothing about it that feels wonky. Right, because that that's the key and question. Then, yeah, that it's like that's establishing a vibrational essence for that particular subject. Yes. And then as you stay in that space where you're feeling like, I want to be with someone I can laugh with and that we can have adventure. And if that's all there is, that's okay. Law of attraction can work with that. And then the closer you get to manifestation, the more details or specificity you can add. And as long as that new specificity feels good, then you know you're in alignment with it. Right. Yep. If any level of specificity doesn't feel good, it means you have some beliefs or thoughts that are in contradiction to what you want. Right. So yep. let's say in my spe- specific story that was all juicy of, you know, long blonde hair and, you know, athletic and traveling, whatever. So let's say you've had, you've had a coworker say, you know what, I, my husband and I, we would love to travel, but his job keeps him locked down and he can't ever go anywhere. You know, and every time I try to plan a spontaneous weekend, somebody calls and it's an urgent thing and, you know, we can't even end up doing it. And so let's say you're around this coworker who's talking like this all the time and you start to believe, yeah, you know, probably the same thing would happen to me. <laughs> well, then, obviously, if you go, I really wish I could – be with a partner where we could spontaneously like go on wonderful trips, 
Well, that could be in contradiction to the fact that what you're really thinking is, no, I'm probably going to have something just like my coworker, you know, and I'll never get to do that thing that I want. So what that tells me is clean up that piece. Figure out how that's not true, and just because this happened to your coworker doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. That's right. And besides, what I know is we can have anything we want in life mm-hmm. so long as we line up with that thing and have nothing in contradiction to it. And what you're really talking about so, is belief. You're talking about a situation yes. where you've created a thought and you're asking yourself, do I believe it? Because exactly. if, you, if you don't believe it, that's where you, you stop telling the details. Up to the point that you, you yes. continue to believe it, that's as far as you go with the details. And, and if you stay within that parameter of whether or not you believe that can really happen, then I say keep going with the details. If you get to the point where it's starting to strain right. your belief, that's a good time to shut down the details. <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of us were never um, trained how to pay attention to our feelings, let alone recognize that our feelings are actually messengers letting us know whether we're in alignment or out of alignment. Oh, yeah. I mean, that you know, me And up. I'll just kind of define alignment because some people may not even be familiar with that phrase. Mm-hmm. But being aligned means being in the same state of being about how you believe or think about something that your inner being, your source, God, power greater than you, law of attraction, and I'm using all these different words because many people use different words to mm-hmm. describe this. Right. But the entity that to you is your highest self, if you are out of whack with your thinking, and out of whack is if your thinking is not like how your inner being's thinking, you're out of alignment that's discord, and you're not uh, sending the messages uh, vibrationally into the universe for you to receive what you truly desire as a matter of fact, you're sending messages to the universe for what you absolutely don't desire. And I have to say this whole thing about um, the inner being and trying to make sure you're in connection with it and so forth, that I found that very confusing at first, in part because for the longest time I thought I didn't feel anything inside, um, part of the, mm-hmm. the wonderful male training we get. <laughs> in our wonderful male-dominated society, we're taught we're not allowed to have feelings. Well, fortunately, that's changing, but... Nevertheless, that's the way I grew up. So it, that made it made it difficult at first. And then when I was exposed to this idea of connecting with the inner being, I didn't even know what to do with that. I, I didn't know how you do that thing. You know, so so what, how do I know when I'm connected? And that's where the first thing that you talked about there really helps a lot because you don't actually have to necessarily feel the connection right away. All you have to know is whether it feels good. If it feels good inside, exactly. you're connecting. It makes it a real easy rule of thumb. You don't have to worry about whether you're connected. All you have to worry about is, does it feel good? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you had your male training, and I had some religious training. And so my my feelings were disconnected through religion because Mm. I was told not to ever trust the flesh. Oh, yeah. And the flesh was – there was a whole – like list of what was considered godly and righteous, mm-hmm. and then anything that doesn't perfectly fall in that line based on the definitions given to you by the church, right. then it must be flesh. You know? yep. So I was just taught how to shut down my feelings and just look at a, the Bible as the rule book to determine whether something was okay or not. But I was definitely taught, don't pay attention to your feelings, because, I mean, I, there were even phrases that were said over and over, 
don't believe your feelings. Don't trust your feelings mm. because they'll steer you wrong. So I wasn't trusting my feelings because I was trained not to. So, you know, my whole world into spirituality and metaphysical understandings opened up me into actually trusting emotions, trusting feelings. And, oh, my gosh, I have to say at one time I felt really betrayed by those that raised me um, because the very messages that were there to guide me in life and have been guiding me all my life, I was told not to pay attention to them. Mm. Called my feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, today I, I can't even imagine where my life would be if I hadn't been if I haven't hadn't whatever the verb might be <laughs> to my feelings. My feelings are one of the most important um, markers in my entire world. Oh yeah, because yeah. they let me. You know, like do you remember as a kid playing the hot cold game? Mm-hmm, sure. You know. And, I mean, I love doing this. Like when my nieces were little, you know, you'd hide something and you'd ask them to go find it and you would say to them, oh, you're really hot, you're really hot, you're really hot. And then they'd, like, go another direction. Oh, now you're cold, you're really, really cold, because they knew they were getting further away from it. Well, our feelings work almost in an identical fashion. That's true. They do. Because we, you know, some, like I have some friends that think of feelings in terms of what feels light versus heavy and dense. And so they use, oh, that feels heavy, that feels light. That's their terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, some people use it feels good, it feels bad. It feels positive, it feels negative. Right. It really doesn't matter what terms we use. What matters is are we differentiating how we feel when we think a certain thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when what? you start to know what you're thinking and feeling, you start to get really solid guidance. Yeah, it can and take so, a while, but you know, that's what I, you do. So I like to look at the whole relationship thing as it doesn't really matter if I'm a homebody. Because obviously, I, unless somebody comes to my home to deliver a new refrigerator to me or to repair something in my house, you know, that's about the only way a new man is going to show up as far as just coming to me while I'm at home. But what I love knowing is I feel in, the impulse to leave my home from time to time, um, to go to certain places. And when I do, that's when I hit the sales. Mm. You know, that's when I, like, I was out the other day and I was coming back from somewhere and I just got this sense to head in a certain direction, to head toward Best Buy. And as I headed toward Best Buy, because I did have something I wanted to look at there, I was passing this other shopping strip and I got Kirkland's which is one of my favorite home decor places to shop. Oh, I hadn't okay. thought about it in ages. And I went in there and I found five wonderful things for mm. my home. And it had been so long since I'd been there. They had a whole new inventory. And I thought, interesting. Because when I went to Best Buy, what I wanted wasn't even there. Oh. But what was cool is I was guided to go to Best Buy because I had to pass Kirkland's, Kirkland's on the right. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believed I was really receiving the information to get to Kirkland's because the stuff I really wanted was there. Okay. And I just followed my gut instinct, which is, you know, go to go to Best Buy. And on the way to Best Buy, I went, oh, I can go to Kirkland's because I know it's on the way. That, to me, is following the impulse. I don't know. What, I mean, what, do you have a different name for that? Uh, no, I think I'd call it that. It's not... It's a skill that you've developed, I think, more than I have. I mean, I, I still deal with some of the uh, 
the residue from my own male training and, and have not totally learned all of my connections to my own feelings. I am much more in touch with my feelings than I used to be, but you, you've, you've carried it to a degree beyond where I am, so I don't really have a name for that yet. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the cool thing is I'm aware of it, but even when I wasn't aware, I was still getting the impulses and I was still following them. Like, I'd get a gut instinct to do something or go somewhere or pick up a phone and call somebody. I didn't even know it was a gut instinct. Mm. I just did it. Yeah. You know? And so I believe most people are more in that stage where they're following it. They just don't know what to call it. You know, I'm just, I'm a teacher to the core of my being. So what's natural for me is to figure out how things happen so that I can teach other people if they want to know. Sure. Um, But you don't have to know how it happens. You just got to do it. And you have to pay attention to it. I mean, probably my biggest stumbling block, if you will, is that when I get those, I don't know, impulses, those hunches, I do get them and I recognize them. However, very often I will put them aside because the male training says, first of all, you don't want to have that. So now I'm trying to get that out of the way and like, okay, no, no, I can I can actually have these feelings. And then while I'm dealing with that, maybe I'm with somebody and they say, let's go over there. So I'll say... Oh, okay. Well, the polite thing then is to go with their hunches because we're out doing this together. And so I basically just d- disconnected from my own hunch, even though I knew it was there and even though I felt it. And, and that's part of just what you go through when you're, when you're learning how to take responsibility for your own and, and just go with your own. And, you know, sometimes you go with your own, own, even though the other person has a different hunch that goes in a different direction. Yet sometimes you have to stand up and say, no, I think I want us to go this way. And that's what I'm still learning to do in, in certain cases. And there's also a flip side, which I've learned how to do, which is let's say I really want to go to the left and they want to go to the right, but they're driving, and so they're going to go to the right. That doesn't stop well, my wife. She I just says, be... turn left, turn left. <laughs> well, I could sit in silence and go, we should have gone left, we should have gone left. <laughs> or we could go to the right in some horrible traffic jam is there and you can go see I told you or I should have said it we should have gone left and of course all that makes everybody feel bad so there's another alternative which is okay the car's going to the right instead of going I really thought we should go to the left I could go well we're going to the right I wonder what's possible to mm. show up once we go to the right it's just because an alternate any route. direction you go can be an adventure that's right it's just an alternate route because you can actually go to the right for so far that you turn around in a circle and end up going to the left. <laughs> yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Anything is possible. So, you know, Abraham talks about whatever you're going to do, just line up with it. So if I really want to go to the left and I am just doggedly determined we should have gone to the left and that is the only viewpoint I am willing to hold, well, that's actually going to end up biting me in the butt. Sure. Because it is much better to be flexible and say, well, we didn't go to the left. But you know what? There's also other options that could be in the right that I didn't know about. So I wonder how I can line up with whatever's over there. Sometimes it's all about finding what what the silver lining is. There's a silver lining in any situation, good, bad, or indifferent. If you look for it. You you just have to look for it. And and that's the skill. Mm -hmm. And it is a skill. It's a skill that you have to develop, and you have to do it deliberately, you have to do it consciously, but it's really worth le- learning how to do because when you learn how to do it, 
It's that's probably more than anything else is how you break the negative patterns. I mean, all the affirmations, all the exercises, they're all great to do and and I thoroughly recommend them. But it's the day-to-day, moment-by-moment finding the silver lining that makes the biggest difference in my opinion. I mean, do you, do you think differently? No, I totally agree. I okay. t- you know, hey, I'm Miss Pollyanna. You yeah, know, that's I think true. positive about everything. <laughs> and if I can't find a way to think positive about it, then I'll find a way to think positive about not thinking positive. <laughs> that that's that's really an art form right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've never said that before, but that really is how how optimistic I can be. I will find the optimism in the pessimism. Just give me a moment. <laughs> Just like the I mean, character I, I've, had like, I've had business meetings where, you know, like everyone's kind of throwing their ideas in the pot. And I can tell you, because I know the different people on my team, you know, which people are going to give the optimistic view. Mm-hmm. And then there's always those that give the, well, but we do, you know, kind of like, the is it the Eeyore character in Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore, yeah. And well. <laughs> so I know there's about two guys on, on my team that they always have the, well, now we need to be, we need to consider da-da-da-da-da. Then there's another gal on the team who always starts out the sentence, well, my concern with this would be. <laughs> Boy, do we telegraph you know, or what? <laughs> for a long time, they drove me crazy because they're, they're, the things they brought up, I'm like, oh, my God, it's all you can see, the negative side. And then I thought, well, now, wait a minute. It's making me feel bad because I'm taking this viewpoint that all they think of is negative. So I went, hmm, I wonder how I can turn this around so I could feel good again because I don't like feeling bad just because they're talking about the negative. And then I went, I wonder if what they're saying really isn't negative, but it's a balancing perspective. I went, well, that feels a little bit better. And what if the very things that they're talking about are going to be what keep us from going into failure and blowing up? Well, that certainly feels better. What if actually their viewpoint, when thrown into the mix, is such a great balancing factor, it's the very thing we needed to create success? Ooh, very nice. And then that really felt good. Mm. So now when I listen to them in team meetings, I'm like, okay, come on, bring it on. I know you're going to give the opposite side, (laughs) but I'm waiting for it, and I know it's good, and it's part of what we mix in the pot to create a wonderful, successful plan. (laughs) You know, all this brings us back to the letter that you received, the email. Because in that email, like we talked about earlier, she outlined all the things that she didn't want or that weren't working out or that she didn't see how they could work out and so forth. And I'm hoping if she, I, I'm hoping she's hearing this podcast. If, cause if she has, I think she's probably recognized by now that all that stuff she was focusing on was working against her preferences. It was working against Absolutely. what she wanted and that's why it's so important to change your thought process around because the more she focuses on that, the more she gets what she doesn't want, which is a sad thing. And the reason reason I thought this was such a a worthwhile thing to talk about today is because what we're talking about doesn't only have to do with finding a love relationship. Oh, no, of course. It really has to, the principles that we're talking about really map over to about any area of our life which is, you know, if we're focusing on something we don't want, we're going to get more of what we don't want. But here's the biggest bugaboo about it. Most of the time, we don't know we're focusing on it. Mm. Because we think it's just 
these are the normal justifications that we use in normal conversation with people and with ourselves. And when we think, well, this won't work because this, 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 and this is working against me, if you've been thinking about that for a really long time, you don't even see that anymore. It's like those sets of thoughts become transparent to you. Right. You which, know, which and is, that to me is the biggest, I don't, want to, I don't even know if I want to use the word danger, but it's like it's the biggest thing that keeps us from not being aware of what's stopping us from deliberately turning in the direction of what we do desire. Which is why Abraham Hicks liked to talk about the fact that if you want a measurement besides your emotional guidance system for discovering whether or not you're getting what you want, you look to see if you have it. If you don't have it, exactly. then you know you're not in alignment. And if it's stuff that you really don't have, if you know what I mean, that's the stuff where most likely you're blind to what's going on in your own dialogue. So that's the best and indicator. This weekend I Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say that's the best indicator. When you when you need an indicator to tell you where you're going wrong, you're going wrong on the part that you're not getting. So when you're they not getting that's it, the post that's the post manifestational sign. <laughs> yeah, that's the post manifestational sign. That's right. It's not here yet, so therefore mm -hmm. you're focusing wrong on it. So where's the right part? Where's the part that that expresses your preference and not your anti-preference? That's the word I like. I, I like preference because it isn't necessarily good or bad. It isn't necessarily right or wrong, heavy or light or whatever. It's preference. What do you mm -hmm. prefer? And, and if you spend all of your time on what you don't prefer, when you express it that way, now all of a sudden it starts to make sense. Well, if I spend all my time on what I don't prefer, I'm going to get what I don't prefer. Exactly. And you know, this weekend, as, as usual, when I'm driving around in my car, I always have Abraham on in a CD. And I happened to listen to this one like four times in a row because I kept thinking to myself, there's more in this, and I know it's not fully filtering into my head. I have to listen to it again and again and again. So mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And the point that really stood out to me, and I, I'm hope. okay, so when I say this, for me it's like a, duh, I already knew that, but I got it on a deeper level. I had a deeper level of awareness, and it was that really the only thing that keeps us from manifesting what we desire is our resistance to it. Right or contradic contradictory thoughts. And that totally matches with what you said, because if you're getting something you don't want, then you obviously have contradiction in your vibration. But the part, okay, the next sentence they said was the big, whoa, for me. <laughs> okay. Which was, they said, to manifest something, it doesn't even require your focus on it. It only requires you have zero resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the only went, that's like because I mean for the whole law of attraction movement to me has been all about focusing on what you want. Sure. And now all of a sudden they said something that I can tell it's not in contradiction to what they've said before, but I, I, I'm aware that we as a consciousness are ready to hear the next step that makes this even better and filled with more ease, which is when there's no resistance. You don't even have to be focused on it. Be in a state of receiving, in a state of feeling good, in a state of happy, however we want to phrase that, and boom, we are now in a space energetically to have it show up. And I think the reason we get so hung up about that is we notice the teaching, which is that you have to focus on something. And so we focus 
and focus and focus and focus <laughs> and focus and focus. In other words, we never leave step one. It's a three-step process. But if, you, if, if you're always ask, 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 you never get to receive. <laughs> it never gets there. That's very true. You know, oh, wow, what you just said was quite brilliant because here's how I, I heard what you said. If I am purposely focusing on something because I'm trying to get the law of the universe to work with me, that's really me being in step one asking again. That's right. But I'm, I'm shrouding it, I'm masquerading it as, oh, no, this is just me focusing my attention. When what it really is, is me saying, where's my damn stuff? <laughs> I'm Pretty asking. much, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we, that, that's the, the position I think most of us start doing law of attraction. It's certainly the position I started with, which is, well, you got to keep focusing because I don't feel real confident about myself, so I'll just keep focusing because that's the best thing I know how to do. And it's a good well, place to start, and, but it's not a good place to end. How, how, <laughs> and how comfortable, I, I'll ask this of myself, Wendy, how comfortable are you just letting go of something that's really, really important to me? Answer, not so comfortable. Okay, next question. Is that because I'm not trusting the power of the universe to work on my behalf? Uh, yeah, that's what it's about. On some level, sure. I want to, con- I want to control. If I can focus in the direction I know I want to go, that's me attempting to control how it's going to come down or and, what I want. And by the way... By the way, when, when I when, when I let go, that's when I found Louise. Ten years I was looking, work. and finally, after ten years, a month before Deborah asked me, "I have somebody who's interested in meeting you because she's looking for a healthy guy. Are you are you interested? Can I give you her phone number?" Before one month before she called, I finally just gave up. I said, "I am so sick of this dating game. I am done." And then she shows up. And you st- you stopped asking. I stopped asking. I so was done. You stopped dumb. doing step one. I stopped doing you step know, one. It's Doris's job to do step two, mm-hmm. and your job is just to be happy. That was it. You distract. Do something else. And when you're there, you're in a receiving space for the good stuff to flow in. And when it we're worked. We're not focused on what we don't want. <laughs> it worked. It worked. And it worked. I oh found her, goodness. and she found me. I still can't believe that. You know, we didn't do it. <laughs> we didn't do any of our marketing or telling people how to call us oh, or true. anything because we have just been having so much fun engaged in this conversation. I certainly hope that this has been a meaningful conversation for more than just you and me. I hope other people have something that they can take from it and make real po- just make real steps in their life that it can be positive and make them feel good. Absolutely. Well, we got one minute left, so let's put that minute to use for, for the commercial purposes. If you have not yet subscribed <laughs> to the podcast, please do so. You'll love it. You'll love getting it every single day into your smartphone. Do it by going to LOAToday.net. If you're on an iPhone, you can also do it by going to iTunes and searching for LOA Today or going to your podcast software built into your iPhone. Again, search for LOA Today. Or if you're on an Android phone, just go to Google Play and once again search for, drum roll please, LOA Today. So really simple. Please do it. You're going to love it. You're going to just keep following us, and we're going to keep building up. It's going to be great. And, Wendy, if they want some uh, more private uh, counseling, maybe uh, your emailer wants a little private session, how do they reach you? You can find me at my website, which is wendydillard.com. Always simple and to the point. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wendy, it's been a well, pleasure. Well, you know, if I gave them any more information, nobody would remember it anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to doing, doing it tomorrow afternoon. All right. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll everybody, see you. you want to call in. I know you do. So tomorrow, call into the show live. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see you all tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.